Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all, and welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. Unfortunately for me, uh, my two lovely guests this morning are in Phoenix, Arizona, while I am in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. At least we have spring here. I met uh, the two lovely ladies about a month ago uh, while they were presenting to a group of company owners um, their experience and philosophy on promoting your business in today's environment. Um, And not like me, they have TV faces, I have radio faces, unfortunately for them, I have to host them on my radio uh, show. (laughs) My my guests this morning are Alexis Crise, founder and co-owner, and Melissa Gianfilippo, co-owner, and both of them are co-owners of Serendipit Consulting in Phoenix, Arizona. Good morning, Alexis. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. Um, and gu- thank you guys for being uh, my guest this morning. You're welcome. Um, We're happy to be here. Well, you know, in the, fast, in the past few years, I had the opportunity to spend some time in the greater Phoenix area. Um, and um, what I've learned is that only a very small number of people are actually from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, majority have migrated from somewhere either in the U.S. or immigrated from another country. So this brings me to my first question, and I think we need to answer from both of you, is uh, which category you belong to, born in Phoenix or migrated to Phoenix? And if migrated, where from? So we both have been migrated um, to Phoenix. We, this is Alexis. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I've been in Phoenix for about 16 years now. Yeah, and so um, I actually am from Chicago. Uh, I moved to Arizona when I was 11 and went away to school in Ohio and then came right back to Arizona after college. So I've been here 20 plus years. So I understand. Uh, I understand that uh, you know Melissa moved when she was eleven, so it was by her parents. But Alexis, recent, re- really from LA to Phoenix? <laughs> well, I went to school in Tucson um, at the oh. University of Arizona, the better school um, mm-hmm. in Arizona, <laughs> and then I went back to LA for a little bit for work, and then got transferred to Phoenix, and just. I loved it, and I've stayed here ever since. Oh, wow. Interesting. So what do you remember from uh, your time in L.A.? Well, I am back in L.A. about every two months. So my family all still lives there, but I love L.A. Um, I hate the traffic, but, um, (laughs) you know, my heart, and I still keep my cell phone number as a California area code just to keep my roots. Oh, and I, see. I have to tell you something. She went to prom with a celebrity because, you know, in L.A., everyone knows somebody. So it's like it's her claim to fame. I see. And, and who is the celebrity? Can you disclose? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was Zachary Ty Bryan, who was uh, one of the kids on the popular show Home Improvement back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. No clue. (laughs) (laughs) And Melissa, what do you remember from your uh, young age at a different place? Um, You know, I really just remember Arizona, to be honest. I I mean, 
you know, have a ton of family in Chicago still, and we spend a lot of time there now, but all my memories are, like, recent. I remember hating the snow. I'm a warm weather <laughs> kind of girl, so um, I will tell you, when I had to drive in snow in Ohio in college, I got in two car accidents because I never learned to drive in that weather, so I meant to be here. <laughs> I see. Um, you know, I have a, a question to to you, Melissa, because uh, which is not high on my list here, but Weren't you in Toronto last week when they had snow? I was, and it was brutal. And then we <laughs> proceeded to go to Niagara, which was like the worst decision ever because it was even colder, I think. And um, uh, yeah, it, but it was beautiful. I had never been to Toronto before. So I love that city. Yeah. I see. Um, so I have a question for you. Both of you now are co-owners of uh, a business, and we'll talk about business later. But um, anyone in the family that uh, parents or siblings that are also kind of entrepreneurs and own their own businesses? This is Alexis. So my father owned his own business, and I grew up. He owned a digital agency um, in Hollywood, and so I grew up kind of aspiring to own a fun, creative agency like he did. And my Stepdad, um, I mean, he's a realtor, so he owns his own business, but. Yeah, not, not me. Nope. My family grew up working for other people and um, just were really hard workers, but no one owned their own business. So, but I begged Melissa to join me. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the conservative one. So maybe wasn't naturally in my blood to, to do this, but over the past 10 years, it's certainly like become my blood and. Lex and I are all about, like, what else can we create? Like, what's next? So. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so during your, uh, you know, junior years uh, as, a, as a youth and maybe university, any kind of uh, sports that or competitive kind of uh, curriculum that you were involved in? Any of you? Yeah. Um, this is Alexis. I played soccer from the age of five. Um, I snowboarded. Um, and still do, and I played soccer in college. And yeah, Lisa? and I'm, I'm a little less athletic. I'm more of like an individual sports person, like working out. Um, mm-hmm. I did dance, you know, young, but, you know, when I was younger. Um, but I was on, like, newspaper. I did, like, all of those more academic. I was on speech and debate. I won first place in the state of Arizona for um, the duo acting categories. Um, so, Maybe more academically minded than Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis, you can get better. You can, you know, zing back at her. You, you know. <laughs> it's okay. She's used to it. The, the, the show is uh, politically incorrect. Un- so <laughs> feel free. And, and any extracurriculum, uh, like work on after school, uh, you know, you, have, you had a paper route or uh, I don't know, maybe we both had jobs really early. Like my first job, my parents instilled a really good value in me. And I know Lex did too, where if I wanted something, even though we grew up in Scottsdale and they could have given me whatever I wanted, they I had to work for it. So at 14, I got a job at a sandwich shop and I had to work to pay for half of a Europe trip I wanted to go on with my French class. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there, I always babysat and worked in restaurants and, um, and yeah, so I started work at 14 as well at a coffee shop, um, kind of behind the scenes. And then I, all through high school, I became the manager of this coffee shop and kind of ran it. And then went off to college and started really early being becoming a leasing agent at a student housing community 
And um, actually, my senior year in college, I was promoted to the West Coast marketing manager. So my senior year, I created my schedule that I only had school two days a week. And the other days, I was traveling all across the West Coast, kind of doing marketing plans at different properties and helping with events and things like that. So it was, it was a great company to start off with. Nice. Um, so if I go back to uh, one of your teachers or, you know, uh, people that spent uh, the early years with you, how will they describe you? Uh, Alexis, let's start with you. Well, they'd probably say I was, I'm very energetic. I talk a lot, uh, <laughs> but very passionate about any project that I would be a part of. And in school, I, you know, grades came easy to me. Um, and I was, you know, any school project, I was definitely the leader. I, my mom always tells me I'm really bossy, but I always want to make sure that if I'm on a project, we're getting the best results and people are proud of what we're delivering. Melissa, before you answer what your teacher will, or friends will say about you, is she bossy? <laughs> you know, in our relationship, we are pretty, like, we maybe it's different than most people. Like, we're, she's not super bossy with me. We're kind of, like, bossy together. It's, it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Melissa, what would uh, your teacher say about you? Uh, they would say that I follow through, um, that I'm, you know, confident. I definitely was a leader in all my projects, same kind of thing. But I was more of like a quiet leader. Like I, um, I would encourage people to do, you know, their part and maybe be a little more motivational than just like a dictator, which I think um, is kind of how I've learned to lead just moving now um, into my career. And um, I was I was always friendly. Like I wanted to be friends with everyone. You know, no matter if I was like them or you know or whatnot. I just was a friendly person. I see, uh, Melissa. I'll start with you now. So uh, you mentioned that you went to college uh, in uh, Ohio, if I remember right. Yep, Kent State University. Kent State. So what was your major? What did you take there? So I actually went there, I got a full ride for um, the journalism school, intending to major in magazine journalism. Um, quickly in my first year, I had an amazing professor, Bill Sledzik, and he he encouraged me to uh, move down the path of public relations, which, which was still in the journalism school. And I'm so thankful he did that because, as we all know, magazine journalism is kind of dead. At least it's not something you can really make money in today. Um, and he just noticed that I really had a passion for PR and for, you know, telling stories. Um, and that, so I have a degree in public relations and Kent had an amazing program for that. I see. Well, now you gave me some food for thought because my son is in his uh, master's for journalism. So thanks for the <laughs> advice. Yeah. Well, journalism <laughs> is good, but you just need to find the right path. Like magazine journalism would not have been. Don't paddle back. Don't paddle back, please. <laughs> Alexis, so so you mentioned you went to uh, university in Arizona, and what was your major, and what did you take? So I majored in communications, and I minored in marketing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and how did you choose those? Well, you know what? Originally, growing up in L.A., I thought, you know, my dream was to work at the Today Show, and I'm still an avid Today Show watcher. Um, I think... So I went to school majoring in communications, hoping to do something in that field, whether it was, you know, producing or I, I never wanted to be on camera, but more behind the scenes and planning the stories and kind of creating the content. 
Um, and then quickly, when I got the job as a leasing agent, I just I discovered that I wanted to go a different route. And I loved sales and I loved creating marketing plans and planning, you know, at the time we were planning parties all the time for college students, but it was with an end goal of leasing the community. So I think just my job helped me kind of transform my career a little bit. Right. So, so your first job out of university was a job that you started during university? Correct. I started my freshman year at a new development, kind of, we we're just selling apartments, essentially, or leasing apartments. And how long did you stay with this job before you moved to the next one? Um, I actually stayed with them all through college and two years after college. Mm, interesting. Um, Melissa, what was your first job after you done your uh, studying in marketing and PR? Well, I actually um, had an amazing internship in between my junior and senior year of college at a, a boutique PR agency in Chicago. So I lived there for the summer and they offered me a job um, before I even graduated, just, you know, that they would have me come back when I graduated and, and work full time. And I really contemplated that, but um, I ended up moving back to Arizona to be closer to my family and to be in better weather. So my first job, I, I had two offers right when I graduated at um, marketing agencies in Arizona. So I took a job with an agency called the Marts Agency and they were full service and I worked on the PR team um, and I worked heavily on the real estate accounts because this was in 2005 uh, when the market was hot. At that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexis, it's 2007, late 2007 that you decide that uh, it's time to kind of uh, work for yourself. Um. Almost 2008, so I actually, after I left the development company who was leasing apartments, I w went to work for a big agency here in Phoenix um, on the digital side of things, and I got to work on Steve Madden and Corona and a bunch of sexy advertising accounts, um, but then I realized quickly that I, I really loved real estate as well, so I decided to take a job with a gentleman here who was doing marketing and developing for condo projects here in Phoenix and was was hired as the director of marketing and then quickly became, you know, the director of operations, the admin assistant, you know, running the entire company, wearing all the hats. Um, I did that for about a year and a half and then randomly, Melissa actually, we were working together I would hire her out as a freelance PR person on some of the projects I was working on. And she always knew my passion for real estate and student housing. And she actually met someone on the plane coming back from Chicago. And he said, I need a director of marketing or a marketing consultant to run my portfolio of nine student housing properties and one brand new development opening here in Tempe. She said, I know your girl. So they literally landed the next day we went and had drinks and he offered me a consulting position for the whole portfolio. I brought it back to the Why? Company. Was he completely drunk when you were? <laughs> yeah, that's actually, yes. <laughs> we're pretty drunk. Um, but so I went back to the company I worked for and I told the gentleman I wanted to do this and I said I'd bring it to him and kind of didn't want that structure. So I, I literally quit my job the next day and had to come up with a name and I said, gosh, that was so serendipitous that Melissa met this guy and it all just came together and 
yeah, then I had a company. (laughs) (laughs) I see. And Melissa, you joined a year later, right? Yeah, like nine months later. So, you know, I'm, like I said, more conservative than Alexis. And at this point, I was working for a tech startup in Scottsdale for one of the notoriously hardest people to work for in probably the country. I won't (laughs) say any names. And it taught me a lot. And so I, you know, Alexis kind of saw the struggles I was going through. And at this point, she only had one client. So she was able to handle it on her own. But um, she quickly, you know, she's a great salesperson and quickly had another big, big, big development in the pipeline. And she was like, it's now or never, lady. Like, get over here. And at that point, I was working, you know, 15-hour days. I was engaged to be married. I was, like, struggling with how I was going to balance this. And if I was going to work that hard, I wanted to do it for myself. And so I jumped ship and we got a little office and hired an intern and it was go time. I see. And and, and being a conservative, it was a pregnancy of nine months to make the decision, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) I literally would go to drinks with her and tell her how cool my life was. I I definitely exaggerate a bit just to (laughs) the salesperson I am. Um, And it took her, finally she met with my husband and he he said, you know, if you're going to work for your, you can get fired at any job and you can lose a client any day. So it's about your drive and what you want to do. And so uh, Melissa's fiance at the time supported her as well and said, go do it, you know, take a risk. And after nine months of begging, she finally did it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> okay, ladies, we have uh, to take our first commercial break. Uh, I encourage our listeners to open a new tab and go to www.serendipitconsulting.com where you can learn more about their brand as well as their services. Uh, We will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with my lovely guests, Alexis and Melissa, co-owners of Serendipit Consulting in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Alexis, I have a question for you, and, and uh, I know you're sitting next to uh, Melissa, and you know it's, uh, it's going to be uh, maybe a little bit of a challenge question, uh, but that's why they pay me the big bucks. Um, <laughs> you know, w- sometimes you see partnerships that um, start as you know, two friends becoming partners, and then the friendship disappears. And you made a decision. You owned your company already by yourself for nine months or a similar time. And you made a decision to uh, have Melissa join as a co-owner. What made you make the decision that Melissa is the right partner for your future business endeavor? Uh, Sure. Well... We, we battle it out quite often, so nothing's really awkward between us. Um, we, Melissa and I, we worked together on, I think, three or four big development projects before um, I asked her to become my partner. And just her work ethic, her drive, and honestly, like our energy together, it's just, we, we're always having a good time, but we know we both want the same outcome. Um, so that's what I really... I loved about Melissa. And then honestly, I don't know if I really knew this about you in the beginning, but that she was more conservative. I knew she was more conservative. She was the one who controlled all of our finances in the beginning. Um, I'm more the like creative visionary. So she really balanced me out and that's why our partnership works. And from the beginning, we never really worked in the same service line. So I've always been marketing. Melissa's always been PR. So we play in our own lanes and um, we collaborate on the business side of things. But at the same time, it, during like running the business, she would run the finances and I would run kind of the sales piece in the beginning. Now we have someone running our finances and a full-time controller and admin staff and we're both focused on sales. I see. Um, so in short, she completes you. <laughs> yeah, we always joke that we were each other's first marriage. So <laughs> I see. Um, now, uh, as we uh, we're discussing here, and and, and uh, the whole thing of uh, structure and partnership and, and and being entrepreneur. So, what is the decision process you guys have in, in terms of how to run the business? Because at the end of the day, it's it's two people that you know have may have different opinions. Yeah, we've um, grown a lot. It's been 10 years this year that we really had the business. And so a lot has changed. I would say for the first five years, we were we feel like we've played business. It was just like, hey, this is fun and maybe it's a career. Um, and in the last five years, we've, we've taken it really seriously. And 
worked on growing our business, understanding what's our vision, what's our purpose. And we joined a group called Entrepreneur Organization about five or six years ago. And that, um, I know for both of us, has completely changed the way we you know, treat our business, the way we um, decide on where we're going next. And you know, through that experience, we've learned to utilize coaches and you know, people smarter than us to help us uh, really pull out our vision and our plan. So now we sit down every quarter and we talk about you know, what does the future look like? How did this quarter go? What's on deck for next quarter? What's on deck for the next three to five years? Um, and, you know, it's it's crazy how when you really start writing down goals and plans, how things just move towards that direction, even without you taking some proactive action necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do, do you guys uh, have uh, the mission, vision, purpose statements that uh, you follow? And, and yeah. if you if you do, when did you implement them? When did you kind of create them? So our purpose is the big thing that really we feel like stands out to us. Um, and we created that about a year ago. And it's the fact that we propel people's passions. And that goes internally and externally. So internally, we want our employees to feel like they're working to something bigger. We're helping them find what they're really passionate about and helping them bring to life and fuel their passions. And then externally, you know, clients hire us to bring their passions to life, creating a business, launching a new brand, rebranding, telling their story to their key publics. Um, so that mission is really important to us. And, or sorry, that uh, purpose is really important to us. Um, we also just are, you know, maybe our more casual um, purpose or vision is that we want, and can I swear on this show or no? Yes, of, of course. <laughs> so of we course. just want to do cool shit for cool people. Like that is what it comes down to. If a client is not a good fit for us because they're just not, they don't share our, our core values. Or um, if we don't think a project is really up our up our alley, we'll say no to it. You know, we, we are in that phase of our business where we can do that now. And that's really important to us. And um, you mentioned that you had uh, uh, created the purpose a year ago. Uh, who who was involved in the process? Is it the entire company or just you as owners? It was our executive team. So um, we have we um, you know have five members who have been with us quite a long time or are in very senior positions. So um, they were involved in that, and it was a really great brainstorming session. Just thinking about how far we've come in ten years and. What are the key words that, you know, come out when you think about serendipity and all we've done and, and why are we really here at the end of the day? Like, why are we really doing this? And that came from that discussion. The, the biggest challenge I find when I uh, interview entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur myself is bringing those mission, vision and purpose uh, from a nice plaque on the wall to the day to day office life. How do you guys do that? Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so we have this. I, I didn't promise uh, easy questions. No, I know. This is a great question. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking at, and I'll send you a picture of, um, we have these little table tents on everyone's desk, and they are a daily reminder of our team values. We live and breathe by our values. We have, um, we have six values, and they are do it different, act like the boss, get results, show respect, be bendable, and have fun and raise your glass. 
So that is really important to us. We actually hire and fire based on our values, both employees and clients. Um, And that came about in the past few years, and it has propelled our business. Um, On the other side of the table tent card is our service promise. So there's a lot of marketing agencies out there, and most of them don't do what they say they're going to do. Not all of them. There's some great ones. But a lot of them overpromise and underdeliver. So we always have the mindset of doing the exact opposite of that. So we have this list of our service promise, these things that we promise to do to our clients. Um, and these really serve as a daily reminder of how we operate our business. I see. Um, you, you mentioned uh, that you guys are part of um, the organization that is uh, the entrepreneurs organization and how important is it for um, an entrepreneur that is, you know, most of the time or many times it's either a small partnership or someone that is uh, lonely at the top to be part of organizations like uh, the entrepreneurs organizations? And, and what kind of value do you see there? Honestly, I think it's a, it's critical. I think um, for us, it's been really helpful because we're both in separate forum groups, which meet monthly. And that's a group of, you know, six to 12 members and it's kind of like a support group. I laugh that it's like therapy for business, but you know, it's a bunch (laughs) of entrepreneurs (laughs) discussing the day-to-day issues and successes and, you know, just being supportive to each other. I think if you're operating solo and you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off or anyone to kind of help pick you up when, when things aren't going so well, um, it can be a big struggle. And, the EO has helped us tremendously with that support. And then honestly, just collaborating with other entrepreneurs, because we found that no matter the size of the business, you know, whether it's a $2 million business or a $50 million business, we all have the same struggles. And it's so refreshing just to collaborate with other people that, you know, sometimes you think you're alone on an island and then you go to that meeting, you're like, oh, guess what? You're going to do the same thing. Awesome. Let's work through it together. And then you come back to your company and you're just charged and fueled and ready to take it to the next level. Yeah. Uh, Other than uh, being part of EO, the entrepreneur organization, do you guys have uh, like a business coach or mentors that you still work with? So we are, yes. um, About a year and a half ago, we hired um, a scaling up coach. So Scaling Up is a book written by Vern Harnish, who actually is one of the creators of EO. Um, and so this coach is certified, you know, to go to take us through this process. And it's just, it's a process of, you know, being strategic for your business. So that's really how those quarterly meetings came up where we set, you know, rocks, we have priorities, we understand what the vision is, what we're working towards. And um, it's really helped keep us in check. I would say the the biggest thing that's come out of that for us is that has been making our meetings more productive. Like we, you know, it's so easy to have like a meeting about a meeting about a meeting and it just becomes worthless. So we've learned through the scaling up process how to really set, you know, a um, just set a goal for a meeting and an attention, have a timeline, have, you know, a timer going, you know, make it really functional. And it's, in my opinion, that's been a huge game changer for us. Yeah, I think that and just the, the kind of the rocks is, I think we always set goals, but they weren't on paper and we weren't holding each other accountable. And right now we hold each other accountable on a weekly basis by checking in with where we are um, 
with regards to our goals or our KPIs. So that's been extremely helpful as well because we're both really competitive. So we always want to be meeting our goals yeah. or exceeding them. <laughs> I see. Um, you know, can I ask you to uh, share with us one of your strategic uh, initiatives for the coming quarter? Sure. So um, we, so a, a big one has been to um, really focus on our verticals. So our two core verticals are housing. So that would be senior student, multifamily and high-end residential and franchises. So we really ha- are learning how to say no to anything that really doesn't fall outside of that um, for most of our service lines. So we have revenue goals set for those specific service lines for the quarter. Um, and then personally, I set a revenue goal for the PR service line because it's one of our most profitable service lines where we have a small team working on a lot of business and it's really good for the agency to have that profitable of a service line. So um, I had a goal to increase that um, pretty dramatically from, you know, we're, we're a $3 million business. We're not huge. We're not teeny. Um, so the PR service line has typically been about, you know, 700 K and I have a goal to get it to a million. Um, and I'm definitely going to hit that goal this, this quarter. So. I see. Alexis, I think it was you that mentioned K, uh, KPI, Key Performance Indicators. So give us an example of a key performance indicator that you use and how you monitor it. Sure. Um, so my personal KPI is to make sure we're meeting the KPIs of our clients. So we identify one or two KPIs for each of our clients. And, and that could be things like lead forms filled out from the website or number of consultations, you know, those kinds of things. Or revenue in a quarter. So um, mine is really a collaboration that I, I need to be at 90, meeting 90% of our client KPIs. Um, and we monitor all of our client KPIs on a weekly basis. So for the most part, we have tools that connect us to monitor either client's revenue or we're tracking those lead forms, calls, consultation, things like that. So we know if we're winning or losing for a client on a weekly basis. And not only do we know that, but we're reporting to them every Friday um, if we're meeting or exceeding that goal. Um, I want to touch a little bit on your business um, in terms of uh, the, the, the product you sell or the services you sell. So as a service provider, you compete with, uh, and I think it was Melissa that said that uh, uh, there are bigger companies than you and, and maybe smaller companies than you. But what do you guys feel is your biggest advantage? Why would I hire you and not someone else? So uh, really, our why you would hire us is because we don't just get hired to execute a specific scope. We really come to the table as your partner. We we love to say that we're your CMO, your chief marketing officer. Even if you have one, we're going to sit right next to them at the table in your executive meeting. So we're not just creating a cool ad campaign or pitching the media. We really want to know if our services are impacting your bottom line. So we, in every meeting, or new business meeting will say, we can only work with you if you can show us, you know, your metrics, because that's how we'll know if we're winning or losing for you. So there's other agencies out there that you can hire 
and they'll create your website, they'll manage your social media, they'll pitch the media, but they won't really care about your bottom line. They'll say, we were hired to do this service. It's your job to run your business. We're not trying to run our client's business, but we want to know and have a pulse on their business so we can make strategic you know, recommendations for them at any time. So if we see a certain service line isn't performing for them, we're going to recommend you know, we either run a special or we create a campaign around that service line or maybe we help them think through how to actually kill that service line and focus on a service line that's kind of being more profitable for them. Yeah, and um, just going off of that, I talked a lot about our values and how we live by them. Our favorite value and the one we reference the most is act like the boss, which means we make decisions as though we are the CEO, the COO, the CFO of your business. So we treat our clients' brands, their budgets, and their reputations as if they're our own. So like Alexis said, if we're your marketing partner and we personally would not spend 20 grand a month on a you know, radio endorsement you know, for your brand if we owned it, we're going to tell you that. We're going to say, hey, if this is really what you want to do, okay, but we highly do not recommend it. It's going to be a waste of your money and we're just super honest about that. I see. Well, uh, we reached our second commercial break. Um, once again, during our commercial break, I, I encourage our listeners to go to www.serendipitconsulting.com, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and also Pinterest, and connect with them on Facebook and LinkedIn. We will be back following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back for the last portion of today's episode of uh, Taking Care of Business with my guests Alexis Crise and Melissa D. Gianfilippo, co-owners of Serendipit Consulting in Phoenix, Arizona. And before we went to uh, to the commercial, we started talking about the, the, the work itself. And, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you all of a struggle uh, with budgets. So how do you find working with entrepreneurs uh, on, on branding, marketing, PR, 
Uh, are we cheap? Are we, we? Do we get the message? Do we don't get the message? In in general, of course, I'm I'm asking. Well, I mean, I think people are always nervous to spend money, especially if it's their first business, um, and so you have to show people results really quickly. So I think in general, for um, what we see is if it's a person's first business, if it's a startup. We struggle with servicing them because they're so stressed out about every single dollar and they definitely don't don't have a sense for how much things really cost or how much they need to spend on the marketing front that it's it's really too big of a time suck for us and it just they're never they need to kind of um, learn a little bit and we don't want we don't want to have to be the ones to take them through that learning process because eventually um, they it's just it's just way too hard. So we prefer to work with people who, you know, maybe have investors or it's their second or third business. They, they've done it before. Um, and not to say all startups are like that. We've had some amazing clients that it's their first business and they're great. But it, the majority of the time, um, you know, it's that second or third business or a bigger business that they really understand. Okay, hey, yeah, you know, 10% of your um, planned budget or 20% of your planned budget should go to marketing. Mm-hmm. And how do you measure your success in terms of working with with uh, clients? It's different for every single service. So we, like Alexis said, we really go, we, we want to understand the client's key performance indica- indicators because that's how they're going to measure us. So we have to measure ourselves that way. So for PR, if, you know, if obviously uh, when we secure stories in the media, it builds brand awareness, but you can't really measure brand awareness. So we take it to the next level and we say, okay, can we look at Google Analytics and see how much traffic to the website was driven from this interview? Or did the um, organic search volume increase because of our PR efforts? Or did the duration on a website um, increase because of our PR efforts? For digital marketing, we look at, you know, um, what's our cost per conversion? What is, uh, how many qualified form fills did we get on a website? I mean, everything is, every tactic is different. So there's really no cookie cutter measurement tool. It's really, are you winning or losing? Are you making money or not? Yeah, and I think that's our biggest thing is in the sales process, before we even take on a client, we want to understand those KPIs and we want to be confident um, that we can exceed them. So we'll, we'll understand those KPIs, we'll really evaluate, we'll talk to our team and we'll decide if you know the services that we offer that we can help them be successful. And if we can't, then we'll be, again, we'll be honest with them and say, you know, your money will probably be better spent doing, you know, a different tactic. Maybe, um, I mean, I don't know what it exactly is. It's it, like Melissa said, it varies between each business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is the risk in today's world that is full of media exposure and social media and every aspect of media that you kind of think of? what is the what is the danger risk of doing nothing for for any business in terms of branding, marketing, PR? I mean, you're gonna be irrelevant if you don't if you don't you're not out there. You have to take that risk and and um, by you know, choosing not to position yourself as an expert source, you're definitely missing out on a big potential, you know, um, opportunity to, to increase your business, grow your business faster, make more money. Um, I think 
you know, this world, everyone's business is going to be disrupted in some way. Our business will be disrupted. So will yours. And so you have to stay ahead of it and find new ways to make sure that you're as disruption proof as possible. Yeah. And I think one there, we hear so often, Oh, my customers aren't on Facebook. My customers on, on Instagram. And you know what? I think that's a lie. Everyone's on social media and they may not be taking that direct action from social media. We talk a lot about the last click attribution. So Sometimes people will see your brand on Facebook or on Instagram, but they won't click to buy at that point. But then they'll see you, you know, on a bus, they'll read your name in a newspaper, and then they'll pick up the phone and call. And it's that last piece of media that they saw that they're going to tell you that's how they heard about you. So it's really a big challenge in marketing for us to measure the exact, you know, all the places that they've seen you because like I said, that last piece gets the credit. So a customer today actually has to see your brand 28 times before they take an action. I see. So there's no kind of uh, magic media to use if I want to promote. It's not just social media or it's not just electronic media. Um, I was hoping that you'll give me an advice on a, on a magic stick that I can, uh, you know, shorten the, the, shorten the road and, and save money. Well, no, there's no magic formula or, um, you know, any unicorn, but there, we, I mean, realistically today, digital marketing, like spending money on social media or strategic pay-per-click marketing can be the most cost-effective depending on your business to reach customers. It's so trackable. It's so changeable. So every single day or week, you can switch the budget. You can monitor the success, tweak the message. That's really the first medium that's existed that has been that bendable. Um, you know, in the past, you would buy a magazine ad and you would sign a year contract and you would cross your fingers and hope the phone would ring um, or, you know, a radio endorsement and you could only switch it, you know, once a month. So digital advertising is definitely, you know, where it's at. Where really? it's at. Yeah. I see. Well, uh Enough with PR and marketing, and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Now back to your business, and, and let's talk about serendipity and consulting. Uh, and um, I have a, f- a few more questions. We're getting kind of close to the end of the show, uh, but I would like to kind of uh, ask a few more questions about the business and about what, your future. What was the what, what is the biggest challenge you guys are facing in growing your business? Do you even want to grow the business, or are you comfortable where you are? Um, we want to grow. And people are our biggest challenge. Right, Lex? Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to find people that are dedicated and will put in the time and energy, you know? I mean, that's our biggest challenge for sure. And and you mentioned, I think it was Melissa that mentioned that you hire for values? We do, yeah. We. So, so how do you do that process, so hiring for your values? So um, we have a really amazing interview process that starts with a, um, you know, essentially a Skype, a video interview. And um, after that first interview that's done with our admin staff, we have our potential candidates take a personality profile, so a DISC assessment. We've actually created DISC um, benchmarks for every single position. So before we even meet a person, like before Alexis or I meet a person, if they don't fit that benchmark for that position, we won't even interview them. Um, 
So that's important to us. And then during that first, second, and third interview, we're asking key questions about our values. So, you know, getting them to drill in and tell us examples of how they do things different. Um, will they act like the boss in every situation? Is getting results important to them? Are they respectful? Um, are they flexible, bendable? Can they change and move and shift quickly? And then are they fun people? You know, we have a really fun, funky, crazy environment here. We have beers in our fridge. We have colorful walls. We have loud music playing. It's just kind of how we roll. So if someone can't fit into that environment, they're probably not you know, going to be happy here. Mm. Interesting. Um, so you said that your biggest challenge is uh, finding the right people. You also said you want to grow your business. So let's uh, walk together kind of into the future. Say you said that you're uh, celebrating 10 years uh, since 2008. So let's say it's 2028. Uh, and where do you see serendipity in 2028? And what would you like to kind of accomplish in the next 10 years? Well, um, in 2028, we see Serendipit as a much bigger agency than it is today. Maybe not on the people front necessarily. Maybe we would just add, you know, let's say, I don't know, 10 more bodies, 15 more bodies. But we would be way more efficient because we would be more focused on only our core service line. So we will have gotten smarter about saying no to things that aren't in our core and focusing and, and we have these amazing streamlined processes for the services that we know really well. Um, and Melissa and I are operating solely on a, in a sales capacity or, you know, acting as that true CEO right now, we're both really involved in the business, which it's kind of catch 22 because we love it so much. So it's hard for us to get out of it, but we really would hope within 10 years that, our teams are fully running our machine and we're the sales, we're the sales team. Mm-hmm. Alexis, I have a question for you. If you had uh, the opportunity to change one thing at Serendipity Consulting, what would it be? Ooh, Ooh that's a tough one. Um, what would it be? I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I am... Every day I walk through the door, I'm so proud of what we've built. Um, and I guess it goes back to the people thing. It's just I wish every single person, and it's hard, had the mindset of Melissa and I of, you know, they want to be as dedicated to this engine that we as we are. Um, we're pretty close to that point. We have great employees. Um, but I think if I could change one thing, I wish that every person that we brought on was like that from the start. Mm. Um, Melissa, I have a question for you. What have been been some of your concerns along this journey? Um, Some of my concerns along this journey, you know, being the conservative one, it's been, um, you know, I'm the first person to flip out when we lose a client or when something doesn't go perfect. And Alexis has to really keep me in check um, about that. I also, so my concern would be, you know, can we make payroll, which has never been an issue in 10 years. We're way, you know, it's just one of those things that floats. You're always like, you're responsible for 25 bodies. And we've, we've been so fortunate to give amazing jobs to people and they bought houses and they've had families and, um, and I just don't want to mess that up. So that's what would keep me up at night. Um, 
Also, you know, our reputation is really important to me. Again, it's never been an issue, but um, I just want to make sure we're only taking things on that we can like truly kick ass at. And um, I never want someone to walk away saying, yeah, they, they were okay. Mm-hmm. I want people to walk away saying they were amazing. You have to hire them, which is how we get, we don't do any proactive marketing for ourselves. We do a little PR, um, but everything is referral based in 10 years and we've grown dramatically just being referral based. So that tell, shows you that we're on the right path with that, but it still does, you know, it's always a, a concern of mine. We have less than three minutes to the end of our show, and I have a couple of quick questions, and um, I hope you kind of shoot from the gut and, and answer. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice, each one of you, to a new entrepreneur, what would it be? Ooh, um, I would say, um, I would say hire slow and fire fast, for sure. Uh, biggest mistake we've made is has been in, in regards to those things. Okay, Lexis? I would say go with your gut and always trust your first intuition. Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> you got approval, Alexis, from Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Alexis, I'll start with you because Melissa jumped first for the previous question. So what did you learn about yourself through this long journey to success? Melissa, uh, you have time to think. <laughs> I learned that, you know, I'm a lot more resilient than I thought I was. Um, you know, I learned that I can take a lot more crap than I thought I would ever be able to. Yeah. And for me, um, I learned that naturally I really do have a positive attitude that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of BS, but I know how to kind of lift people up when things are kind of, you know, low when morale is low and things are, are stressful. Um, and I think that's really important to make sure people don't feel as much, your employees don't feel as much pain as you might feel as an entrepreneur. You never, you never want them to feel that. So, um, yeah, that's been, that's been cool. Okay. Last question for the day. Uh, Melissa, you go first. You have a chance to uh, invite two business, two people to lunch. Who would it be? Doesn't oh. have to be business. Okay, good. Because they would not be business people. They're boring. Business people are super boring. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. It would be, I mean. Um, <sighs> Alexis, you have the answer? I have the answer. Well, I've always just, I Ogilvy, Shia Day is an agency that I've always just followed and just really admired. So I would want to invite the founder of Shia Day or Ogilvy. This is a huge agency in LA. Um, and I would invite Melissa so she'd get here. All their stuff. Oh, that's good. I like that one. Perfect. Um, so, Melissa, you lost your turn. Melissa and Alexis, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, like all good things, time flies when you're having fun. We reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. I want to thank you so much, uh, ladies, for sharing with us your experience, your journey, and also your frustration with some entrepreneurs dealing with PR, branding, and and. and recognition next week we'll complete what we started last week we will finish building an uh, annual sales plan i would love to hear back from you at dvwallag at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram like us on facebook and connect with me on linkedin um, 
We will meet you here again on www.voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, May 1st, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.